0: And welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are discussing the baptism of the Lord. So let's get started.
1: Indeed, always good to be uh, here with you, Lindsay, in order to talk about all sorts of things when it comes to our Catholic tradition. Um, and yet, when it comes to the baptism of the Lord, it's bigger than the baptism of the Lord. And <laughs> and, and I could say it's not about the baptism. Indeed, it is. But we forget, and, and, and part of it is because of the culture of society that we come out of, what we forget is, is that when you look at Christmas, it's not about a baby. It's not about, you know, presents. It's not about really any of those things when we set up celebrate Christmas it's about something much bigger than that and that is the divine entering into our human condition and revealing the divine presence to the world at large no exceptions no conditions as far as who that divine presence is revealed to the presence is to be revealed to the entire world, uh, not just Catholics, not just Christians, but to the entire world. And the only reason you might say we celebrate Christmas on December 25th, which that's a whole other story that we could, we could do something with. I feel like with, we've touched yeah, on we that have, before. Is that it's because of who this infant was makes this... Day that we celebrate significant, but nobody knew that at the time. Uh, well, you hindsight's know, always twenty twenty, right? And so people have to grow up, and people come to their own, and people discover who they are. And this whole time of Christmas, which goes from Christmas until this celebration of the baptism of the Lord, where. The church is always, you know, these, these important, these key events, it doesn't just have it necessarily on one day, but realizes that it is something that, that ought to be celebrated for days on end, you know, as we do, for example, in not only the octave of, of Easter, but we do so with the 50 days of Easter. Uh, we really need to look at, you know, and I think that we would be well, it would be well for us as a church. To do more in a way to to look at how we celebrate uh, Christmas and and maybe I'm not maybe that's not even possible again because of of the the secular world that that you fight against and because of what in so many ways Christmas has become one it's it's simply become more a single day two it's become more about presents gifts stuff like that which are not bad in and of themselves i'm not and i don't mean to be a grinch uh, that that tries to steal christmas you're a mean one <laughs> yes mr grinch <laughs> is that it's it's just realizing that for the believer i mean for the genuine believer christmas is so much bigger and when we look at a particular day such as the baptism of jesus It is really, you might say, a key celebration that finally brings it to closure. But even before we look at that, it's recognizing that the baptism of Jesus was simply one part of what we would call the epiphany. And for a long, long time, epiphany was much more important uh, than, than the birth nativity was. That was the real day that they celebrated. So you had three key pieces of this, this massive feast called the Epiphany, one being the wedding feast at Cana and the second being the baptism of the Lord. These were minor elements of this then key uh, celebration that we, we, we call Epiphany, where, the presence of the Divine One uh, in Jesus is, is, you might say, shown to the whole world. And it's so, it was over a period of, of, of hundreds of years that eventually Epiphany became its, its own, its, its celebration in its own right as a manifestation, as, as the Divine, again, showing itself in, in the world. And they took the two other pieces, the uh, the wedding feast at Cana, and um, the let's see, the also the uh, the Cana, and then baptism, baptism. of the Lord. Yeah, they, they kind of gave them their own space or gave them their own spot. Uh, it's 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 been a long uh, historical development within church, but. What it it does is that it shows us, particularly in Luke, that in a particular time, a particular place among particular people, in a particular point in the history of the world that we live in, that it was among these people that God manifested the divine presence to the world doing so not only through the birth of a child, but also through the revelation to the astrologers or the magi or the kings, whatever you call them. Wise these. men. Yeah, wise men, whatever you call them these days. Uh, as also in the wedding feast, a- again, that was the beginning in John's gospel anyway. It's the beginning of his public ministry. And and the comments made, you know, about these, that that once people experienced these key epiphanies, you might say, because each of them in their own right is an epiphany, as is the transfiguration and, and a lot mm-hmm. of ever, other moments that are captured within the Gospel writer's uh, reflection, is that in these moments that people came to believe, that, that people not just believe intellectually, people came to believe in the heart in the in the very soul in the spirit of who you are as a human being um, you know it's it's shown reflected in many ways in the gospel that just because we know something doesn't mean we believe in something you know the the religious re- leadership you know when they talk about the on the feast of the Epiphany he says well well king Herod goes to them and says well, who is this and they said well here's what we know from Everything that we have gleaned from the past testaments and those kinds of things here's 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 what we've gleaned And they say you know the the child is to be born here and is supposed to be this and this and all of that, okay? Herod takes that information goes to the uh, Goes to the, the, the the magi and says here's what I have found out I suggest you take that go and find this kid and so that I can worship also. Well, we all know that that was... Worship a, in quotation marks. Y- yes, in quotation marks. We know that that was basically a lie. It's, it's realizing that though the religious leadership and even the secular leadership, but in that day, Herod really was the representation, you might say, of God's presence on earth, and, and for a lot of folks anyway, is that though they knew this... They obviously didn't put any stock into it, nor did they necessarily believe it. It was, it was the people from the outside, the Gentiles, the people that represented all, in some ways, all that was bad in the world, those low-life Gentiles. They were the ones who, on a risk, you know, travel from wherever they come from, presuming the East or somehow, whatever that, even that, that means, but coming a long ways, believing in a sign, and this sign would have certainly been uh, a sign to them anyway, and for many others, a sign, a, a divine sign would have been for them coming and saying, we're going to risk everything that we have because it would have been dangerous for them to, to travel as it was in those days. And we're, we're going to find out where this sign leads. We're going to see kind of what's at the other end of the rainbow, you might say. And, and so they, from what we know, they do that and come to this awareness that this isn't just another baby. This is, this is something so much bigger than that, that it says that, you know, when they enter the house, as, as the scripture would say, is that... They prostrated themselves. There is no mention of them doing any kind of honoring to that to the king, um, which would have been kind of par for the course. But prostrating oneself would have been a, an action that literally would have been, you might say, for the divine. You prostrated yourself before someone who was a god or perceived to be divine. Uh, again, the whole idea that, that the gospel writer is trying to help us to understand, particularly Luke and such, is that they recognize something here that others did not, that should have known. They should have known. And they recognize. And the fact, it transformed them, which any epiphany is supposed to do for us. It transformed them to a point where they in their listening to the Spirit, to God, whoever, you know, in a sense, whatever that was for them at this point, is that they come to an awareness, we, we need to go home another way. That the discernment that Herod was obviously less than honest, uh, that there was a whole lot more going on here than, than you know, they had maybe initially realized. And so they go home, it says, another way. Why is that so important? Well, when we look at that, look at those qualities happening in the Feast of the Epiphany. These same qualities, these same uh, results, you might say, uh, happen, you know, with the wedding feast of Cana. Is that a, a remarkable thing is, is, has taken place. Uh, it is made known The disciples, in this case, with the Gospel of John, the disciples recognize, you know, that something incredible has has taken place. And for John, again, uh, for John, a transformation has taken place that he did these signs, as it says, so that they would come to believe in him, that they would come to know who he was. You're talking about John the Gospel Writer. John the Gospel Writer, that is correct. So then, besides that, you have, in these scripture readings, you have a hint and themes of of something that was still there, which would be that there was a group of people that still believed that um, John the Baptist was the Messiah, And so in this, you know, this whole scene of the baptism of the Lord is that you have it made now very clear that, um, you know, John is not the one. John Mm -hmm. is simply not the one. The writer of John's Gospel often wrote uh, against a group called the Gnostics. Uh, The Gnostics were a group of people that believe that uh, those could be saved only that had a very special knowledge or gnosis in Greek and and how um, how do you know that they have the special knowledge they tell you they have the special because <laughs> we have it yes because, exactly and so he was writing you know in in to the to the Gnostic communities and and, and against the Gnostic beliefs because that was certainly, uh, certainly, a, a prevalent group at that time, but and so it also uh, working and dealing with the issues of of the belief that John the Baptist was somehow the Messiah, not not and not Jesus, and part of it is because John the Baptist also being a from from what we can glean from the scriptures, he was a much more uh, stormy figure. Let's <laughs> say he would the have more
0: ideal of uh, what they thought was coming. Yes,
1: exactly. Someone who was going to come in and do uh, put a serious hurt on and anyone who was not going to follow the right way. And the right way was the Gnosis, of course, and they would let you know that they had it and no one else did, mm-hmm. unless they agreed that you had it. So you have the baptism of the Lord in, in many ways, um, once it was kind of... Um, taken out of, of, of the framework of the Epiphany as eventually was the wedding feast at Cana is that it became a very important you might say to the theology of salvation uh, to the fathers of the church and these are these are the the theologians of the early centuries the desert fathers the you know many of the the big names whether it, it be Augustine and, and people like that that had, uh, you know, that were really th- reflecting and thinking and praying about all of this and what does this mean. And, and, and there were several reasons why that, why the baptism of, uh, of Jesus was terribly, terribly important to the faith tradition. And you can see the part that it plays, you know, you can, that plays out in a lot of different ways, particularly, obviously, during Easter time. When baptism is emphasized, uh, but it's it is it would not have been lost on the people of the uh, Christian early Christian centuries, and as time went on, went on, is that there was thought at different points that the baptism of the Lord should be moved closer to Easter. Mm. Again, depending upon your theology, but when when you look at what Christmas was, as opposed to, in some ways, what it has developed into. It it makes a lot of sense, because now the baptism of the Lord, just as the nativity and the epiphany and the wedding feast at Cana, the baptism is, is important because Jesus is revealed as the divine one.
0: Yeah, when you put it that way, it makes sense. It's always kind of been weird to me because you get, you know, Christmas baby, then you have holy family. Okay, that makes sense. Epiphany, well, it seems that he probably wasn't a newborn when the wise men came since you pointed out they come into the house. Correct. But you still think child, child, young. And then baptism in the Lord, it's like, bam, all of a sudden he's an adult. And I suppose, too, that's how the gospel readings are. You don't get a lot in between, correct, but it's still but kind of funny.
1: The filler, you might say, in between, you might say, mm-hmm. is the uh, Feast of the Holy Family, where he is now thirteen or fourteen years old. And again, yeah. he is talking to the the temple leadership at, you know, answering questions. Again, they're telling a story to teach us something, and it says even these temple leaders are amazed at the answers. Not to mention, remember the response that he he gives to Mary and Joseph when they say, son, why have you done this? And you know, maybe maybe as only a 13 year old could possibly say, why A would you be maybe? Yeah. why would you be looking for me? I don't you know I have to be in my father's house? It, it's like no, <laughs> because no 13 year, 12, 13 year old should be walking around alone without family around. You know, because what we, you know, we have this we have this imagination that, you know, he's Jesus, he could have zapped anybody that tried to whatever. Is <laughs> that you know it's these these were not safe times there was a lot of brutality Mm -hmm. there was a lot of violence there was a lot of sickness you know you could be killed simply because you looked at somebody wrong you could be killed because you happened to step in front of a roman soldier or whatever soldier and they didn't like you and so they decided to play you know tic-tac-toe with a sword on you they it's, that's the kind of thing is that this was not a safe world. No matter who you were, this was not a safe world for a 12 or 13 or 14-year-old boy. And he would have been a boy walking around thinking that somehow I'm big, I'm bad, you know. But
0: isn't that when you get your bar mitzvah at like 13? Well, somewhere
1: around in, in that time, sure. But the fact remains he wasn't where he was supposed to be. True. But... That's I mean that's that's a very practical way of looking at it. Sure. But that's not the point the writer is trying to to make.
0: And if I guess if you put it that way, he goes infant 13, young again, and then older. Like Yeah. So if if anything, obviously it's not chronological, which we've learned way you know, many times. It's not. It's gotta get out of that thinking. Yes.
1: And the point being too is that it's When you think of the writer and Luke, what he's about in so many ways, In the writers of the gospel, is that this happened in a particular time and place. This was real. This was not magic. He didn't, poof, jump out of an ostrich egg, and he was fully grown, you know, as, as kind of a coming down from space. This was God becoming human and having to grow through all of that stuff Because, you know, again, part of that line being, you know, and and I think we we tend to brush over it, is that it says he goes back home with them. They return to home where it says he grows in age and in wisdom. (laughs) He had a lot of growing up yet to do. And then we really don't hear from him much. Again, all sorts of theories from the time of really the temple that temple experience to when you know around 30 years old or so when he comes to make his his public appearance.
0: It's like 27 years he's kind yeah. of dormant.
1: And there, I mean, there are all sorts of theories um, that he may very well could have been part of the Qumran communities, which would have been in the desert. He, I mean, there's all sorts of theories of why there is no mention of him. But what the gospel writers do is that they say there are these very key moments where it is evident he is not like everybody else. He is the divine son of God.
0: So now yeah. you kept talking about the wedding feast, but that doesn't happen in our calendar year until after correct? baptism. That is correct. Was that when he was like... Thirty or was he supposed to be younger than that?
1: No, it would have been around at the okay, beginning. So for, that was the first. Yes. Okay. Because reemergence, for, right? For John, is for John now. How he comes into public ministry, you know, for and the other gospel writers in the Synoptics is 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 a little bit different. But for John, the beginning, which would have been around again thirty, is at is at the wedding feast, mm-hmm. and that's where it begins. That's where it starts.
0: Which you'd think it'd be a little more than just second sunday of ordinary time. It should be like a big yeah, feast celebration day.
1: You you're right, but what I think part of what happens is that epiphany became so much bigger in some ways that they took parts and they had to figure out places where they could put parts of it. You know, I I think that's sure. you know when you start you know in trying to trying to sort some of that out. And even in some of the reading, they, they don't go into a lot about how that all happened. It's just that eventually and over time, for various reasons, because they wanted to emphasize certain things, that these were, these were pulled out and kind of given some of their own space. Now, going back to my original comment here, though, of, of uh, Jesus you know, what the baptism of the Lord reveals. Yeah,
0: I mean, we should talk about that since that's the yeah. topic of our day. Correct. But it's,
1: yeah, it's so much bigger though. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. The, um, what happens here is that one, is that again, Jesus is revealed, you know, as to who he is. But another piece of this, key piece of it is, is that for the church fathers, again, this is why it's so important. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. And this is the true anointing now that basically appoints Jesus, you know, to his messianic office. You might say, this this is in some so the ways the Holy
0: Spirit's around <coughs> before the Pentecost.
1: Yep, I mean, you're right, you're right. Um, but part of this recognizes, and so much in some ways is based on this too. You know, we have. Uh, the anointing uh, of the sick. We have the anointing of hands for for ordination. We have the anointing of a of a child in baptism. All of these anointings in their in, in their own right. Um, more so, baptism and and um, and ordination. You know that whole sense of of mission sending out now being seen as part of this group a little bit more than the anointing of the sacrament of anointing, which speaks a little bit more of healing. But the other piece, just with that, though, it points to the fact that that leaving things in God's hands, particularly when one is sick or whatever, is that we have a different sense because, in many ways, we have a sense, you know, of a person is going to die or not, you know, those kinds of things. Well, they're moving on and, and, and they're, you might say, their sense of mission is a whole different sense now from where it is, compared to the um, sacraments uh, of, of uh, ordination and the sacrament of baptism. This anointing, though, is, is kind of the genuine, the real deal. This is the one where the Spirit comes upon Jesus and, and He is anointed. And he is sent on, on his way.
0: Is this the one, too, where God speaks from the heavens and whatever? So, like, if you were around at that point, wouldn't you be like, oh, crud, I better listen?
1: Yes, I think, I think that you're right. And
0: that's the whole point.
1: You know, again, part of that, whatever was experienced was something incredible what they heard what they felt what they whatever that is but not only that is that you have for the church fathers again hundreds of years later you're looking at this is you might say proof positive of the trinity you got hmm. the big 3 all together true and it starts it, it it starts the ball rolling in a whole new way now and not only do you have the Trinity here present, but you have now the whole concept that receiving the uh, the baptism from John the Baptist, as uh, it is reported that Jesus did, it is not only do you have the Trinity, the divine, the the complete picture of the divine is that that divine presence, entity, person um, is now in solidarity with the frail sinful god-awful human race and it gives water the power to forgive so much is taken from this that that later on when you think about the the significance of water you know obviously in our in our uh, faith traditions um, and we have lost a little bit of that because, again, in the early Christianity, when a person was baptized, uh, generally, uh, as, as the, it, it progressed, generally there were these big uh, natatoriums, swimming areas and such, or massive baptismal pools, and a person literally stripped off their clothes all of their clothes there was different sections for the men and the women and you then were plunged into the baptismal waters completely it was the idea that you were entering the womb again and you were coming forth being reborn baptismal waters you lose a little bit of that when you pour water on the forehead <laughs> And then, for the anointing, then they would have people anoint your entire body in chrism of some sort. So, you, And then, after that, then you were, you know, in a sense, toweled off, and you were dressed then in white baptismal garments, and then you came out to join the community as this squeaky clean, newly reborn person in, in the baptismal waters of Jesus. <clears throat> So baptism, and through that baptismal experience, you were united with Christ in a significant way, and Christ was united with you in a significant way. So that now, you became part of that family of faith. You became part of that family of God that were chosen from everyone else, that were chosen to live out now these baptismal promises. And... Jesus because he is bonded with us through a baptism like ours, is the one who can show us how to live it out, how to make it real, how to bring it into the world in, in which we live because once you've experienced the divine, again I go back to part of what I was reflecting on you know uh, on the epiphany when I and I was preaching is that it is about, you know, transformation. It is about giving witness. It is about, the. it's a, first and foremost always about God. And whenever we experience God, which this was supposed to be, is that whenever we experience God, we are never the same. We are never the same. You lose a little of that. Again, maybe a lot of that sometimes. In, in our own day and age, because the idea was not that infants weren't baptized from early on, from what we know they were. But the idea for an adult anyway is that you experienced the divine one. That meant you were now changed. You were not the same as before baptism. And this was only a one-shot deal. You didn't get to be baptized twice or for whatever. You either were in or you were you were an apostate, you were out. However, you know, over time, again, that changes also when it comes to that sense of forgiveness. But the idea being is that once you were transformed, now you went out. Just like the shepherds, once they witness, now they go out. Just like the magi, once they witness, now they go out. Just like the, you know, Joseph and Mary. Once you witness, once you know... You can't say you don't know anymore. And for the gospel writer, now you were to go out and to give witness to all of that. That's what happens when you have a genuine experience of epiphany, a genuine experience of the presence of God. And it then makes all sorts of sense that why you might say the baptism closes the Easter, Christmas. Christmas season, not Easter. We're not there We're yet. We're not there yet. We'll get there plenty soon enough. That's why in many ways it makes so much sense for the baptism of the Lord to, to close out the Christmas season because once you've experienced all of this and now being reminded of it by celebrating these significant events, once you've experienced it, now you go out you give witness now you go out and you bear good news now you go out and because of your belief now you invite others to come and believe which then moves us toward eventually to the Lent Easter time where a person you know is invited because of what they have seen in in your life or my life that hopefully someone is invited saying, I want to know more about this, and enters what we would call the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults, the RCIA, and then goes through the steps of saying, what does it take for me to become part of this group? Part of this group that has experienced this God who enters the human condition. Part of this group who has experienced a, the god who has revealed himself you know to the whole world part of this group that knows the cleansing waters of baptism and knows that this god we pray to doesn't somehow just watch us from a distance but as i've said at different times has jumped in now with both feet and become part of this humanity that his desire is to save from the very beginning in the first place so just there's just all sorts of things that, that start to weave together when we when we broaden that lens, lens, you might say, when we broaden that lens when it comes to Christmas and begin to see it in the whole picture of how for the church it just makes all the sense in the world.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Though I'm going to be honest, if someone came to me and said, oh, you know what I saw? I saw this guy get baptized and the heavens opened and someone spoke and I saw the Holy Spirit and I might go, what drugs were you taking when you saw
1: that? (laughs) You know, I would probably ask the same (laughs) thing, Lindsay. But I think what we watch then is that when it comes to any kind of experience like this, and and this is where the church, you know, even within the scriptures, the letters of John speak of this, of testing the spirits and stuff, Mm -hmm. is that, if somebody came to me, and and I have been told some pretty remarkable things, okay. Um, but if someone came to me and this is says this is what I've experienced, I would want to watch them and saying, and how is that being reflected in how you live? How have you been changed by it? How have you, I would ask them? How have you come to know God more deeply? How has your life changed from before and after? And how are you bringing that good news to the people of everyone you encounter? If they can't answer any of those questions, my first thought might be, nah, what drugs are you taking? <laughs> okay. But if they say, you know, I haven't reflected on those, then my sense would be, you need to take time and you need to go and connect with someone. A spiritual advisor, a spiritual companion, maybe a religious whomever. But you need to connect with someone and you need to reflect on what does this say about your experience in pres- of the presence of God? How is it had, How has it transformed you? And you need to think about how are you going to bring that good news to others. If you're not doing any of those after a period of time, yeah, it was drugs. <laughs> yeah, it was probably drugs. Um, or whatever. But it it, it may have been an epiphany, but you have simply ignored it, which again, just because you know something doesn't mean you believe it, doesn't mean you embrace it. Or it wasn't nearly the epiphany you thought it was. And because any time, you know, uh, when people have said to me, I have experienced the presence of God, or if I have shared that, in my own life experience with my spiritual director, is that they're going to ask me those same kind of questions. And I had better be able to answer those. You know? I don't have to have it answered fully, but somehow I need to be able to look back at that and say that has changed me. It has become one of those touchstones, you might say, in my life where I measure time experience um, aspects of of my life and how they were shaped and formed over a period of time I need to be able to show that it was real it wasn't some sort of hallucination Uh, and if I can show all of that and I am living in a way that helps me to reflect that and helps others to see it then you know in many ways no no question at all you know it it definitely was an epiphany moment. It was and which here again going back to what I'm saying is that whether it's you know the nativity, whether it's the you know finding in the temple where Jesus is, whether it is the presentation in the temple when he was an infant, whether it is the baptism of John of, of Jesus by John, or whether it is the wedding feast in Cana. To touch on all the gospels is that these are all different kinds of epiphanies as is for example the transfiguration on the mountain these are all epiphanies they speak to us of god the presence of god showing itself manifesting itself in in the human life human circumstance in this world not somehow something glowing and sparkling in the sky
0: yeah (laughs) well you would also think that you know if people saw this happen in Jesus's time, more people would be like, "Yeah, that's him. That's that's Messiah, son of you know, son of God." I don't, I don't know. It's well, just interesting.
1: Here again, you know what 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 do people believe? And sometimes maybe it's because they knew him too well. You know, the example being is he was not accepted as a prophet, you know, in his own town, and so it says he could work no miracles there. How many times? We might brush something off because we know the person too well. True. We just know them too well. And so we presume we know everything about them. Mm-hmm. And so we don't listen, uh, whether it's the wisdom they wish to share, whether it's an experience. We just don't listen because, well, you know, that's my sister, that's my brother, that's my whatever.
0: Yeah. It's true
1: and so we don't we don't listen my suspicion is is that you know Jesus would have experienced many of the same things and it's reflected that he did although when he starts to do some of the healing and some of the remarkable things there that would pique my interest a little bit more you know I'd
0: say but if but, he wasn't doing it in his town he probably wasn't around anyone he knew you know and he collected people that, he
1: didn't know. Yeah, and so. they, he believed in him. I mean, we obviously know from the Scriptures, too, that there, he had a following. I mean, you know, a group of people that pretty much were his groupies, you might say. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, the sense is with that, they saw something in him, um, something that was much deeper than just a remarkable preacher. Uh, from what he said, from what he did, from the life that he lived, they just saw something more mm-hmm. over time. You know, they saw something more. Um, and those are the hardcore believers, you might say. And those are the ones eventually that, you know, pass it on and, and say, no, this is real. I know this because I witnessed it. I know this because it changed This this, this the way this person lived. Uh, I know that, you know, and, and so on and on and that person influences another person which when you think about it is exactly in many ways what happened over time to where you know millions if not billions of people later uh, thousands of years later we're still talking about him mm-hmm. and and we're still reflecting on what he has to show not simply because he was born you know all right he was born he grew up crucifixion you know it's it's, happened to
0: a lot of thieves and yes, bad people, and
1: and good people. Yeah, and good know, people. Is that it's what you might say swelled around that? That's why the importance of it of the you know Epiphany, wedding feast, Cana, and baptism of the Lord is that so much swelled around that that it, it continued to grow and grow and grow to where people had those experiences long after he had been crucified. Long after the people who witnessed the resurrection experience uh, and all that was surrounding that, um, you know after they had died, they were still saying no, this is real. This was very, very real. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: All right, well, now it's our turn to go out and yes, tell yes, people it, it was real.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. It is our turn so.
0: All right, we are going to leave that there for today. That concludes our Christmas season conversation since it will be the end of Christmas soon, the Christmas season soon. So I hope you didn't take down your trees quite yet. Um, We hope you enjoyed that and we will see you next time.